0: Search for Slaycation on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you're fans of our Scary Mystery series, then you've probably seen our Twisted 2 segment about the Brabant Killers. For those who aren't familiar, between 1982 and 1985, the area of Brabant, Belgium was terrorized by a group of extremely violent individuals who targeted supermarkets, but money wasn't their only motive. Their crime spree resulted in 28 deaths and over 40 injuries, including innocent women and children, and to this day, their identities remain unknown. Now, one of our channel's fans, Charles Maurice, recently wrote an awesome book covering these crimes from start to finish, The Mystery of the Brabant killers Solved. In it, he dives deep into the story and the many interesting theories as to who committed the crimes and why. Charles is a lawyer who traveled to Europe to visit the crime scenes firsthand and interview people with information on the murders. Plus, he had access to various court documents, so he has an insider's perspective, which makes the book a really amazing read. So I highly encourage you guys to check it out. It's available on Amazon, and there's a link in the description below. 5. Strange Unsolved Mysteries You Need to Know About Weird things and curious mysteries abound in this world, and some are stranger than others. The five cases on this list are still wrapped up in intrigue and will leave you wondering what really happened. These are five strange unsolved mysteries you need to know about. Number 5. Angie Houseman. At only nine years old, Angie Houseman from St. Anne, Missouri, had hopes of becoming a nurse's aide. Family and friends describe her as always having a ready smile and somewhat overly friendly. For instance, whenever she would meet a stranger, Angie's first line would be Hi, my name is Angie. Are you my friend? After stepping off the neighborhood bus stop on November 18, 1993, it normally took Angie just five minutes to get home. The stop was only eight houses away. However, on this day, something went wrong. Her parents waited anxiously, but after 30 minutes and still no sign of their daughter, they began to worry and call police. Soon a huge search began. Minutes became hours, hours became days, and still, there was no sign of Angie anywhere. For nine days, everyone sat uneasy, but then the little girl's body was discovered by deer hunters at the August A. Bush Memorial Conservation Area in St. Charles County. She was found in the nude and chained to a tree while bound in handcuffs. Because of the low temperatures, ice had formed on her hair and skin. It was determined she had not been given anything to eat or drink for the days she was held captive. Close to her was her school backpack, and inside were her books and the clothes she disappeared in, all neatly folded. They also discovered she was tortured and raped repeatedly. Her eyes and mouth had been taped shut. Afterwards, Whoever took her left her to slowly die from exposure. Angie hung on until she couldn't. It was found out that when the deer hunters discovered her, she had died just hours earlier. It was a horrific crime and police interviewed neighbors, family, friends, and teachers. One teacher said prior to her disappearance that Angie had mentioned she was going to a cabin with her uncle. But when the family was told that information, they found out that no one in the family had made such plans with the girl. Meanwhile, one neighbor mentioned seeing an older man with a beard and long coat in the area around Angie's residence. Police believe she may have met this stranger before or had spoken with him, then willingly got into his car. She was a trusting, innocent child, and this may have been seen as an advantage by a praying adult. Police did collect a fingerprint and DNA evidence on one of the pieces of duct tape used to bound the young girl, but so far, no matches have been found in the system. Today, The case still remains open. Number 4. The Jameson Family In October of 2009, Bobby Jameson, his wife Cheryl Lynn and their six-year-old daughter Madison went around the Red Oak Mountain area in Oklahoma to look at a 40-acre property they wanted to buy. They left hauling some items in their white pickup truck along with the family dog. When days passed and they didn't return. Concerned family then reported them missing. Soon, the Jameson's white pickup truck was discovered. Inside it was the family dog, emaciated and nearly dead from lack of water and food. They also found the Jameson's wallets, including a GPS system, and $32,000 in cash. There was also a letter from to Bobby, which contained spite, indicating the marriage was less than perfect. Using the GPS, police tracked down where the Jamesons had been and found they spent time on a hill where police discovered the family's footprints. A photo found on the cell phone showed Madison in the same area. It's believed that after the trek to the hill, the family returned to their truck, and that's where something happened. What exactly, however, remains unknown. A thorough search of the area was done, but nothing else was found. Police searched the Jameson home and discovered a gun registered to Cheryl Lynn was missing. They also found the Jameson surveillance cameras and took stock of the footage. The camera captured the family on October 8th preparing to head to the mountains. In the video was Bobby and Cheryl Lynn bringing boxes to the truck. The two made about 20 trips back and forth but without ever interacting. Madison is seen playing in and around the area and police believe the two may have been on drugs at the time. For four years the Jameson case sat cold but in November of 2013, deer hunters came across three skeletal remains. These were later identified to be that of Bobby, Sherilyn, and Madison. They were just three miles from where the truck was found. Despite forensics, however, they couldn't determine the cause of death because of the state the bodies were in. Countless theories as to how the Jamesons died and why is still rampant. There are those who think the family was murdered over drugs. They suspect the couple were heavy users because they looked emaciated and robotic in the footage found, plus the large sum of money they had. Another theory is that it was murder-suicide. Both Bobby and Cheryl Lynn had a history of depression, and it's possible one of them killed the family before killing themselves. Perhaps the most unusual theory is that the family's death involved the supernatural, particularly witchcraft. During the police search, a satanic bible and witchcraft paraphernalia was discovered in the Jameson home. Sherilyn had also asked her pastor before if there were any special bullets that could help get rid of the spirits haunting them. The mystery of why and how the Jameson family died continues to haunt detectives. No concrete leads have led to anything, and so far, no answers have been found. Number 3. THE INVESTOR FISHING VESSEL On September 7, 1982, fishermen docked around the port of Craig in southern Alaska were shocked to see a beautiful fishing boat called the Investor blazing on fire just off Fish Egg Island. Costing over $850,000 and measuring 58 feet, the Delta Marine Scener, dubbed as the Investor, didn't necessarily blend in. The gorgeous fishing vessel was owned by Mark Cuthurst and purchased just a year before. A state-of-the-art boat for its time, it featured an all-fiberglass body and was a true standout on the docks of Craig, Alaska. Two nights before the fire, owner Mark and his wife Irene, who were both 28, their daughter Kimberly, who was five, and their four-year-old son John were seen celebrating Mark's birthday at a restaurant in town. Other skippers from the boats docked alongside the investor, the Defiance and the Decade, saw the family and said nothing seemed unusual. At around 10.30 p.m., a crewman from the Decade said young John peeked in the pilot house to say hi to a crewman he was playing with earlier in the day. Later that night, a storm pounded the area, and no crew members from the Defiance or the Decade noticed anything unusual happening on the neighboring boat. By morning, the investor was seen leaving the docks by one of the crewmen from the Decade. After an hour, they noticed the investor had anchored off Fish Egg Island, However, its skiff, which was distinctive, was seen tied to the cold storage dock. A lot of witnesses said the skiff remained there much of the day. Heavy fog soon rolled into the port in the afternoon, and it became so heavy that the ships had to use radar to find out what was in front of them or nearby. By Tuesday, that fog had lifted, and that's when people could clearly see the investor still anchored, but shortly after it erupted into a fiery blaze first responders to the boat came across a man using the investor's skiff and heading for land and it's believed he was the person responsible for setting the boat on fire. The burnt-out boat was towed to the dock to prevent it from sinking. When the fire was finally under control, rescuers reached the inside of the pilot house only to be greeted by stacks of dead bodies. This included Mark, Irene, their daughter Kimberly, and one of the crewmen, Mike Stewart, who was 19 years old. It was determined they had been shot dead using a 22 caliber pistol. After the fire fully died down, bone fragments were further found and identified as belonging to other crew members, including Jerome Kwan, who was 19, and possibly Chris Heyman, who was 18, or Dean Moon, who was 19. The body of four-year-old John has never been found, but police believe it may have been consumed entirely by the fire. Although police aren't sure if all the crew of the investor were accounted for, eyewitnesses said the man seen driving away after the fire broke out wasn't one of the crew members. For years, police chased leads, but it wasn't until two years after the incident when an arrest was made. Police nabbed 24-year-old John Peel, a former crewman of one of Colthurst's boats. Peel's trial then became the longest-running trial in Alaskan history. His first one resulted in a deadlock. The second trial happened two years after and resulted in Peel being acquitted. Despite the circumstances around it, still no one knows what happened to the investor that night or who was responsible for the grisly murders. Number 2 The Dardines When water treatment plant operator Russell Dardine of Ena, Illinois, didn't show up for work on November 18, 1987, his employers thought it was out of character. Russell was a conscientious and reliable guy and wouldn't skip work without a word. They called his family, but even they couldn't reach him either. His father instead called police to do a welfare check. Russell's father met with the police to bring extra keys, He and his family had been living in a trailer on a property close to the railroad tracks. Once they got there and opened the trailer, they were greeted with a brutal sight. Russell's wife, Elaine, and his three-year-old son, Peter, had been murdered. Both were bludgeoned to death using a baseball bat. Elaine was bound and gagged, then so severely beaten she went into shock labor because at the time she was seven months pregnant. In the ensuing attack, she gave birth to a young baby girl who was also brutally killed with the bat. All three bodies were then placed on the bed, tucked together, indicating the killer was in no hurry to leave. When police first found the bodies, they suspected Russell to be the killer. An initial manhunt began, but that would soon change when the following day, police found his body in a nearby field. He was shot three times and his genitals had been mutilated. Police later found Russell's vehicle parked outside a police station in the town of Benton, 11 miles from where the family lived. A huge investigation was carried out after the family killings and over 100 people were interviewed, but this never led to any suspects or motive. For years, the case remained cold until one day, a serial killer named Tommy Sells confessed to the crime. According to him, he had been riding the rails and doing odd jobs when he found himself in Illinois. He said he met Russell and he was invited back to his trailer, but Russell's family and friends dispute this since they say he was aware of recent crimes in the area and was so fearful of them that when a young lady once asked to use his phone, he refused to let her inside. Later on, Sells' confession was questioned because he often changed the story and would not stick to the particulars of the case. Although Sells was definitely a killer and was put to death for 22 murders in total, Police don't think he was responsible for the Dardeen family murders, and that somewhere out there, the killer could still be on the loose. Number 1. Frog Boys March 26, 1991, was a public holiday, and a group of five young boys left their home in Dagoo, South Korea to walk to a nearby mountain, Mount Woryong, to look for frogs. The boys, ages 9 to 13 years old, all studied at the local elementary school. All of them were familiar with the mountain area because they lived in villages just a few miles away. When all five didn't return from their frog hunting trip, their parents became concerned. The families, including volunteers and the police, searched the area, but not a single trace of the boys was found. As the case received greater media attention, President Ro Tao ordered 30,000 policemen to join in on the search hoping the increased numbers would help in finding the boys as soon as possible. More than 8,000 flyers were distributed around the country, and about 42 million won was offered as a reward to anyone who could find the young men. Some of the boys' parents were so concerned that they quit their jobs to look for their sons full-time. However, the search didn't bear anything, and the leads went nowhere. It wasn't until September 26, 2002, when a man who was out looking for acorns at Mount Yong discovered scattered remnants of children's clothing and shoes. He called police and they searched the mountainside. It was here they found all the boys' bodies dumped in a shallow pit. Initially, police told the families the boys had died of hypothermia. They were found in a pit close together, and they said it's possible they might have gotten lost and died from exposure. However, the parents were skeptical with the conclusion, and the bodies were discovered just two miles from the village where the boys lived. Plus the kids knew the area well so it was impossible for them to get lost. Moreover, their clothes were strewn about and it didn't make sense that they would take their clothes off especially since the weather had gone bad the day they disappeared. Even more mysterious was that the area where they were found was repeatedly searched, nearly 500 times over the past decade in fact, but their bodies were never found. Police exhumed the bodies and it was only this time around that they conceded their hypothermia theory was wrong. In fact, the boys had various marks on their skulls suggesting they suffered blunt force trauma. Two of the skulls had traces of blood inside them, while another had two bullet holes, possibly from a shotgun. It was clear from the second investigation that the frog boys had been murdered. Despite this revelation, though, no one has been arrested for the crime. The bodies were then reburied and the skulls donated to the nearby university for medical research. The case continues to intrigue people, Since July of 2015, South Korea has removed the statute of limitations for murder. Hopefully one day, the families will eventually receive justice for the deaths of their young boys. So there were five strange unsolved mysteries you need to know about. When it comes to unsolved mysteries, even the most horrible, despicable crimes will have questions that will go unanswered. Sometimes, there's no final resolution to be found, no matter how much people want them. We have new videos coming out every Wednesday and Saturday, so please remember to subscribe to our channel because you won't want to miss out on what's coming next. Thanks for watching, and we'll see you soon.